Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Hey there, I'm your host Norm, and this is the Cardboard Conjecture Podcast, and this episode is a What You've Been Playing Wednesday episode. It's a special weekly episode where a bunch of us content creators get together and let you know what we've been playing recently. And on this episode are The Rat Hole, The Tabletop Bellhop, Board on the Air, The Meeple Dungeon, and Cardboard Conjecture. And please take the time to check out the show notes to the links to the What You've Been Playing Wednesday cast. And relax. Enjoy. What's up, Internet? My name's Paparazzo Dave Chapman. I'm the lead reviewer for the Rathole.ca, a co-host on The Legend of the Traveling TARDIS, and I'm back on What You've Been Playing Wednesday. This past weekend, I had the immense pleasure of spending some time with my friends Scott and Anita from the Read Along podcast. Scott is a former Silver Ennies Award winner, so he might know a little bit about games. And one of the many gems of wisdom that came up that night was Scott mentioning that every game collection really should have at least one good racing game. He's not wrong. I can't think of a single racing game that I've not enjoyed. There's just something about the genre. The sport isn't the thing. I don't really understand the spectator appeal there, but to each their own. Rather, the play is the thing. Now, the bard, of course, meant that a stage play, but in this case, it's the gameplay. In virtually every racing game, the biggest determiner in victory is the choices made by the player. There's very little, if any, take that style play in racing games. That's the appeal. You are in complete control of your own destiny, unaffected by the actions of others and similarly unable to affect them. Now in many games, that sort of multiplayer solo mode can really become dull, but not in racing games. Heat, Pedal to the Metal from Days of Wonder is the latest racing game to hit shelves. And I've got to say, it's probably one of the best. The new hotness is heat. And heat really is hot. Sorry, not sorry. The game comes with four different tracks to play on. That's two double-sided boards. Components for up to six players. More components for advanced play. A challenging AI system for solo play or for adding extra cars into a multiplayer race. And an interesting and exciting side note is that the box insert has space for at least two more players worth of components. Now I haven't found any announcement of expansions, but clearly it's on somebody's mind. The basic mechanic in the game, no card jokes intended, is hand management and honestly card counting. Each player starts with a matching deck of numbered speed cards and a single heat card. They also start with a sidebar of six more heat cards. Heat works as a sort of necessary evil, If you make certain intentional choices, 
or unfortunate miscalculations, your draw deck gains heat. Examples of this would be shifting up and down more than one gear at a time, or speeding through a corner way too fast. If you can't pay the heat, you can't take that action. If you run out of heat as a result of going around a corner too fast, your car is going to spin out, it gets returned to a space before the corner, and you're going to start in first gear again on your next turn. The game ends up being surprisingly balanced. I mentioned that racing games are all about players' choices, and that's true, but that includes the culmination of all of their choices, which means that eventually, every player has roughly the same amount of possible movement in roughly the same amount of time. The cards each player has is finite. Every single time that one of us said, well, I can't possibly catch up now, things evened out within a few turns. It's possible that a catastrophically bad choice could lead to a blowout victory, but that would be the exception, not the rule. As things got heated, still not sorry, I forgot that you can discard speed cards at the end of the round, and that alone might have made the difference between first place and my last place by the time the checkered flag came down. I can't wait to play this again. Even when your group finishes the four official tracks, either individually or in a championship season mode, there's already a bunch of printable fan-made tracks that you can race on. Super exciting, and I'm 100% here for it. Here at theRathole.ca, we put out primarily written content with occasional video reviews and interviews, as well as a weekly miniature painting series, Slinging Paint. You can read a more detailed written review on heat on our website, theRathole.ca, as well, you can find our YouTube and all of our social media at linktree, that's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash therathole.ca. Thank you for listening, and until next time, good gaming, and goodbye. Hello and welcome to the Tabletop Bellhop segment of What You've Been Playing Wednesday. I am Mo Tuzano, the Tabletop Bellhop, your cardboard concierge, helping you make your game nights better. Last week was another great week of gaming for me. I got in 25 plays of 7 different games and I can only hope that this trend of playing more continues well into 2023, hopefully lasting the whole year. Now of all these games, the first was a 3 player game of Smash Up Disney Edition with my two girls. Now I've been looking forward to seeing what they thought of this game as they don't have any previous Smash Up experience. My oldest daughter loved it but had some serious analysis paralysis issues. She was having a really hard time looking at all the cards and her hand and everything going on and trying to actually make a move. Um, she was playing so slowly that my younger daughter actually got bored. If anyone's got any suggestions for how to deal with AP and a younger player, I would love to hear them. Uh, this seems to be out of my wheelhouse. Uh, we've been trying a few different things, but haven't found a solution. Now, overall, though, this play just confirmed everything we've been saying about this particular version of Smash Up and how it's not a light introduction to Smash Up, as I expected from a Disney-branded game, and just how much... Um, learning curve there is here, how much knowing the different cards matters, not just the decks you're playing, but the decks your opponents are playing. 
And not knowing that made the game very difficult for my oldest daughter who loves to be strategic and tactical and plan out her moves. And that made the game so slow that my youngest daughter who has a harder time focusing on the game got bored. So overall, this one did not work out well with my kids, though I'm hoping I can convince them to give it another shot. Now up next was a bunch of plays of Drop It with our friends Tori and Kat. Now we're going to be reviewing this excellent physics-based game on tonight's live show, so I won't say much here, except to say that Tori in particular loved this game. He adored Drop It. It was one of those cases where by the end of the night, he's on his phone trying to see where he can get a copy of it. Now, this is a light, but not as light as you'd think game that actually requires some strategy and tactics to play well. Now, Kat called it Connect 4 for gamers, and I can't disagree with her. Up next was a three-player game of Thrones of Valyria, a two to six player trick-taking card game that we are really loving. This fantastic Euchre-like trick-taker is set in the Valeria universe, and we're also going to be reviewing this on tonight's live show. While the gameplay is awesome, we do have some complaints about the graphic design here that seriously mars our overall opinion of the game. Next up was a four-player game of Dice Kingdoms of Valeria, which I don't want to say much about as we played the game again later in the week and realized we got a rule very long. Wrong, sorry, a rule very wrong. We played extreme, super extreme. So that Friday play, I'm not even going to count. Now, after that, I pulled out my sets of Rory Story Cube, something I haven't mentioned in a long time, and I sat on my shelves a lot since the kids were un er, younger, much younger. Uh, we played one round of the whole tell a story using all the dice, which was quite fun, but it just wasn't the right game for that moment, that game night and those people. I'll definitely bring them out again. And I was really happy to get them off the shelves again and actually use my Rory Story Cubes and see just how brilliant they are again. Now we wrapped up that game night with a quick round of For the Queen, a GM-less role-playing game that I adore. Now this play, I learned you can't cut the game too short. You can mess things up. I think you got to use at least half the deck, whereas I used maybe a quarter or a third. And in the end, none of us really had a sense of who we are, what our characters were, and then answering the final answer like everyone just defended the queen. So warning for anyone playing for the queen, the more questions you get through, the better. Don't do the same, the, the whole deck every time, because then the game will start to feel repetitive. But like get at least half of it, maybe maybe two, two thirds of the deck in there, maybe even three quarters to, to really enjoy the game. Not that this gameplay was terrible, though I'm starting to think every time Tori plays, he's going to play the same character. Now, after Tori and Kat left, my wife and I broke out Codenames Duet, where we ran into a problem we somehow hadn't seen before. Everything I've said about this game has been shining up until this point. Well, it ends up that you can freely combine Codenames editions. And Codenames Duet suggests this. It says, combine this with Codenames. All the words can be combined. You can even throw in all the promo packs and you can even use Codename Pictures if you want, which sounded great. So when we got the Codenames Deep Undercover set, we combined some of the cards together. And while it ends up that according to CGE and the designer, you can't combine any of the other sets, any of the branded or IP sets. They're all meant to be standalone games. See, this is a problem because we mixed in some of the less racy cards from Undercover with our regular sets. And magically up until now, it wasn't a problem. But early Saturday morning, twice, we had the same words come up in the same grid, which actually made that grid unplayable. For example, in one round of duet, we had the word sweat, both as a clue my opponent, my partner, sorry, my partner had to guess, and an assassin that if my partner guessed it, we lost. 
Now, I, all this actually means at this point, though, is we just have to be careful. Every time we play, double check the grid to make sure there aren't duplicate words. But I was just disappointed. When all the previous sets could combine together, I was shocked to learn that you can't just mix and max the later sets. That seems like a missed opportunity to me. Digging deeper, I found out there are over 40 cards, approximately 40 cards, that overlap between Deep Undercover and Duet. So if you own both those games, don't mash them together. Now this leads me to Sunday in a five-player play of Thrones of Valeria, actually multiple five-player plays of Thrones of Valeria, which it ends up my mother-in-law also loves, which isn't surprising as she's a big trick-taking fan growing up in this area. It really is a great twist on trick-taking. Then we played a five-four four-player. We ended up playing a four-player game of Dice Kingdoms of Valeria. Now this is the game where we figured out we've been playing all wrong since the very beginning. Um, each turn, so fair warning, anyone who, who gets this game from Kickstarter or picks it up, uh, each turn we were taking the actions using all the dice. So we would roll the dice and we'd do the harvest phase right, but when we got to the action phase, we were taking a red battle action, a yellow higher action, and a green explorer action, and using the magic die where we wanted to. Well, it ends up that's not right. You're only allowed to pick one die and do one action type. That's a huge change. Um, so again, I didn't really want to, I don't want to say much about that play. So what we did is later that night after we were home, just, um, and the kids were in bed, Deanna and I followed up with a two player only game where we used the proper rules and guess what? The game is way better by the proper rules as to be expected. Now, the impressive part here is we already liked it by the wrong rules. So having this twist and the game being even better was kind of shocking. I was surprised that I'm like, Oh, now I enjoy it even more. Uh, though at this point we've only played once with the proper rules. So it's going to be a while before I get to a review on that one, like possibly as early as next week, but probably the week after. Finally, my last play for this week was two more four player games of Thrones of Valeria, where we tried the team play variant and having now tried that, this is the way to play. If you have four or more players, don't play solo, like don't play individual games, set up a team game. Having a partner leads to more interesting plays and less bad hands where you're kind of stuck throwing a card, um, which again reminds me of Euchre, which is this game's obviously slightly based on Euchre style trick taking. And I've got to say, it's got the same thing. Euchre works because of its partner system. So I was really impressed by that. Now, what I can't wait to do is try a six player team game of Thrones of Larry. I think that's where this game is really going to shine. There you have what I've been playing for this last week on this episode of What You've Been Playing Wednesday. Now, for full detailed reviews of Drop It and Thrones of Valeria, join me live tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern on Twitch, where we'll be recording the next episode of the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast. Now, if you can't make it tonight, look for that episode to drop on your podcatcher of choice on Tuesday morning. For the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, I am Mo Tuzno. Good day and game on. Hi, I'm David. And I'm Jordan. And we are Board on the Air, a weekly radio show in Saskatoon, and this is What Have You Been Playing? On tonight's episode, we are going to talk about... Welcome to the Moon. Yes, this is a one to eight player... Legacy roll and write? Not legacy, I'd say campaign. There are eight different maps, and you play through all of them, and you get stars based on how you finish in each map. Yes. So off the start, you're going to be getting less stars, and in later maps, you get a lot of stars. 
Yeah, and it's it's based on the Welcome Twos. There's Welcome to the Neighborhood, Welcome to New Vegas. I, I don't think there's another Welcome to. It just no, there's those three. Uh, it was a very entertaining roll or flipping right. Yeah, I ended up winning our campaign or legacy. The campaign. You won the campaign. Uh, you won a few of the middle ones and just had enough to hold off at the end. Yeah, it, it was one of those ones where there was a lot of goals, and if you completed the goals, you could win the game fairly easily. Yeah. And you were very goal-oriented. I see something in its direction. Go that way. Yeah. Uh, what I liked about it is the different maps. Uh, some of them were a lot of fun. Others I didn't like as much. But for the most part, they all added something different. Yeah. It was completely different feeling every time you played. Yeah, and after you finish, it encourages you to play again because the base game you're just going through, or the first time you go through, it's just these learn. are the maps, learn the maps, play that way. There's a few little intricacies, but the second time you play through, there's a whole new story, whole new set of cards and stuff yeah. that's coming out. They add more to each of the maps to yeah. change it up even more we've only played it through once uh with a lot of campaign games we tend not to go back to them even if they are replayable yeah. Th this one i can see us doing it because each game isn't that long you know you can play a, a single game in about 20 minutes yeah it's about the same length as a normal welcome to game yeah so with eight maps if you're going hard you could technically finish it in Probably a day you know, or two if uh, you have a lot of time. A couple of days if you go hard. Or a day if you go hard. A couple of days if you want to enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, I personally found my favorite map section was the last one. That was a really neat way they did it. But I'm not going to spoil it because that's part of the fun of it. Yeah, part of the fun is learning the maps. We don't want to give away too much about it. But all of them had a different twist on completing your smallest number to your biggest number. Yes, yeah, some of them were the regular side to side. Some of them you had to go up and down, or some of them you're building a Sudoku grid. Yeah, and the final map you share. <laughs> it, it, it was cool. Like, every everything about this game I thought that was well thought out. I thought the production value with the dry erase boards was very well done. Uh... I had no negatives. Like, there was no map that I said, oh, this is terrible, I don't want to play this again. All of them I want to play again. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're... Some of them were more stressful. <laughs> yeah, and, and some of them I liked better. Some of them I thought had a neater, neat twist. The first map is very basic. It's over very quickly. I, that one was probably the weakest, which, yeah. which is where it should be, right? It's just introducing you to the new mechanics. Or just recapping you on the old mechanics. Exactly. And, you know, I, I forget which one it was, but there were ones where there's a disease going off. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's, there's lots of neat stuff to this game. And I think they carried it off very well to turn a, a flip and right into a campaign. Yeah. I would definitely play this campaign again. Yeah. Okay. I'm David. And I'm Jordan. And we will talk to you next week.
Hello everybody, it's Rob and Anna-Marie from the Meeple Dungeon. Hello. And we are back again recording for the What You Been Playing Wednesdays podcast, and we have one game to talk about this week. What game is that, Anna-Marie? That game is Jurassic World, The Legacy of Isla Nublar, designed by Prospero Hall, art by Raf Lomatan and Victor Maristain, and published by Funko Games. Yes, the Jurassic World Legacy of Isla Nublar. This Sorry, is Isla Nublar. Yeah, was that what I said? I said Isla. You said oh, Isla. Yeah. So it was just you know. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's a legacy game based off the Jurassic Park franchises, and it, this game, although we haven't played everything, apparently it moves through all the films. Mm-hmm. That's the idea. Um, At least I don't know if it touches five. on the third one. One through five, I think. Right. Hmm. I'm not sure what it does. It might only yeah. be. You know what? I don't even know, to be honest. We'll just I know that it has that Jurassic Park, air. like the original film, and it has Jurassic World, the original film. Like the, those two. I don't know if it has what, what it has in between, because the the second movie and third movie took place on Isla uh, Sarna, wow. which is a different island. Who knows? Maybe that so, could be part of the game. Yeah, I don't know. But <laughs> we'll see what happens here. Uh, we've been playing through several scenarios. So this game takes place over 12 scenarios and yeah. a... Uh, a tutorial. prologue tutorial scenario. Yeah, yeah, and so the way this game works is you are going to you can you can kind of do what you'd like here as far as characters go. We'll let you know too. This is spoiler free. We're not going to yeah, spoil no, anything spoil for anything the here. legacy. You have, you do have some starting characters that you work with, and you can choose one of them or two of them. It depends depends on how many players. Are it's playing. a one to four player game. Yeah. Um, we you know we're playing two player. Two player and we're t- playing two, two characters, characters each. each because the 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 whole thing here is with your characters is it doesn't really matter how many characters you have because all you have is nine actions per round. Yeah. In this game. Um, together. Together. So like between us. So if yeah. I was playing by myself, I could play with three characters and give each of them three actions. Yes. Or I could, you know, whatever you split yeah. it however you want to split it. Mm-hmm. And currently we have two actions per character, plus there's a, a an action that sits on the table that's available to any of the characters. Yeah. So what you do is you you uh, you set up the board for each scenario, and you you have an envelope. It's not a spoiler to say that. There's no, obviously envelopes it's a legacy and boxes game that's in this happen. game. Yeah. And you take the envelope for, say, the prologue, and then you work your way through it, and then you put all the things away, and then you get the next envelope, and you open it'll it up. It'll tell you what to yeah, take it tells out, you exactly what to put what to in. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, yeah, this is a legacy game, so you are going to be putting stickers down, and you're going to be scratching things out and tearing things up and kind of making the game as you want, because depending on how you do in each of the scenarios, dictates how your game is going to right. unfold. Because you may unlock certain things or you may not, or I don't know. There's there's certain things that you kind of cross off as you finish a scenario. You kind of see like, oh, I get to unlock this. I get to look at that. I get to do this. Oh, I don't get to do that, though. Right. Yeah. So it's like really interesting, full-blown legacy game. It's really, really interesting. We're, we're not going to... Yeah, spoil anything or uh, give a review here. You know, no, it's like but kind of what you, what you do is you've got these sector cards. So like the board is in sectors. Yeah, it's be, it's be, what, how many sectors? Six, six, six yeah. sectors. Six sectors and a bunch of different zones. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're gonna put out sector cards for each sector, and then you're gonna just um, it kind of goes in order. You're gonna reveal the round card. You're gonna yeah, because every game has five rounds. Yes, and there's each each 
uh, envelope gives you a different cards to work with. So everything's always different. And every round you're going to flip over that first card for round number one. Mm -hmm. And it's going to tell you something thematic. It's yeah. kind of setting up this current adventure that you're on. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to, yeah, like you said, that you're going to work through um, taking actions yeah. and what the actions you can do there's a whole bunch of things you so can you do. can you can run yep. <laughs> i feel like that's the first and foremost thing you're gonna have to do in a dinosaur in a game about jurassic park mm -hmm. um you can run you can um scout so you can like look at different yeah the um, scouting or the searching or searching sorry yeah. searching what sector or zone you're in um so just kind of you can search the zone and see like what the dinosaurs are up to in that certain zone yeah if they're gonna like and move and stuff and yeah and then you get to take an item card and mm -hmm. And you then you heard them. You can herd dinosaurs. So you can like move them around and also negate actions that they're going to do because yeah. you do get to like as you search zones, if there's dinosaurs in the zone that you're searching, you get information on what the dinosaur, each of the dinosaurs in that zone is going to be doing for this round. Yeah. So you can see what's going to happen and you can kind of work uh, around that yeah. however you'd like. And by yeah. herding them is like a really good way of doing that, pushing them out of the way. Or whatever, and stopping them from doing, say, a, a T Rex attack on yeah. you or something, right? And you've got you can lead, so you can like take somebody with you and yeah, and that's move like them. there's all these different like there's Jurassic Park employees, yeah, and there's various people that you can kind of move around the board. And you have to lead to different objectives and can, things like that. You can rest, you can trade items, like yep. different things like that. So you're you're gonna be everybody's taking their turns you don't have to go in a specific order either like i can no. take one of my turns and then rob can take one of his turns and then you yeah know, not even just turns but just action action that's what i mean yeah. yeah i can take an action then you can take an action then i can yep. take another action Split it all up however we see yeah fit. as and you just because you have to work within the actions you have and and then you're gonna have the um then you know once you're done then the dinosaurs are gonna go and then there's gonna be different you know they'll do their movement and you're just basically trying to hopefully not be in the way of the dinosaurs because what happens mm -hmm. when you're in the way of dinosaurs you know <laughs> yeah so but and yeah each round is broken up into you doing actions then the dinosaurs re are revealed to be doing whatever actions they are doing um that you may or may not know at this point because a whole bunch of cards get flipped over oh there's our dog scratching um <laughs> and then you kind of do this over and over and over again until you may or may like you're trying to get through this, this uh, the five rounds, and if you can without having too many consequences, then you pass. Yeah. And the consequences are these little tokens that you have to flip over every time you do something wrong. Yeah. Or you get or hurt when you too don't much, meet or an you objective, hurt the dinosaur or... too much, or all sorts of things give you these consequences. And when you flip those over and you have too many of them, you lose the scenario. Yeah. So it is a hard, hard game. Yeah. <laughs> found. Even just getting through the prologue was like, oh my goodness, like you really have to like watch what you're doing. Um, it seemed like there was a bit of luck involved yep, and a bit luck. of... There's yeah. oh, there's a whole bunch of stuff. You're going into buildings and you're doing puzzles and like there's a lot going on mm -hmm. here. Let's not, let's not uh, kid ourselves. But yeah, that's Jurassic World. We won't go on too much longer there with this. Jurassic World Legacy of... Isla Nublar. We'll do a, a full more in-depth review. review once we're yes. we're done playing through the whole thing. And again, that would be spoiler free too. But on the Meeple Dungeon yeah. podcast. Yes. yes. So look for that <laughs> in the next mm, probably month. Yeah. Okay. That's it for this week. We'll see you next week. Cheers. See ya.
there, Norm here from the Cardboard Conjecture Podcast. And uh, what have I been playing recently? Or what you've been playing? And um, I played, it was weird. It, you know the moment when you go to pick up your soda, or if you know, in Canada, your pop, and uh, it, you think it's a Coke, but you have a sip and it's a root beer, and your brain does a little flip, right? It's, you know... Um, I, that's what happened a little bit here. And I'm talking about Great Western Trail, Argentina. I don't know why I did that. Uh, 2022, uh, travel the beautiful plains of the Pampas with your cattle. And it's designed by m one of my faves, Alexander Fister, and published by Eggert Spiel. And uh, so, yeah, a Great Western Trail. I mean, I'll read the tag because I love, I mean, the, the designers and the... And the, and the companies they take time in this description. So, in Great Western Trail, Argentina, you own a vast uh, estancia in Argentina. I hope I said that right. At the end of the 19th century, and you will need to travel the plains of the Pampas with your cattle to, del to deliver them to the main train station in Buenos Aires. I don't know, I don't know why I'm doing this. Uh, Great Western Trail, Argentina features gameplay elements similar to Great Western Trail, the regular game, such as deck management, the rondelle mechanism, and the ability to upgrade your player board, along with twists on these elements of new features. And uh, that's where my brain did that whole Coca-Cola root beer flip, uh, was that the twists. And, uh, you know, I think I kind of dig it. The Now, uh, like, first of all, starting off, it's, it's the same architectural system you i mean the, everything's f way familiar everything's super familiar it didn't take me much to go okay yeah i got this um the the player board's quite the same you know on your left side you have the auxiliaries and the you know the double auxiliaries and then in the middle you have your workers but there's an extra worker there's a farmer that one's kind of cool and because of how it adds to that uh you know um variation to the system uh, and I'm not going to get too deep on this because it's not a review, but uh, it has the cattle market. It has all the four same uh, employees, uh, as you re recall from the first game. And, uh, and, but, and as, of course, the same thing. You start off at the bottom and you follow a trail. Now, instead of, uh, instead of uh, uh, disasters, the disasters are replaced by uh, farmers. In, in the case of, of uh, this game, it added to... Uh, you know, another aspect where you could take this mechanism and, and move it along a little bit. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, I think what I, I'll jump to what I really enjoyed was the delivering to ships and ships delivering, uh, uh, you know, out of, out of uh, port. And uh, the, there were three, four boards I think you could deliver to. I'll just have a quick, uh, I've got the... I've got some pictures here. Um, I think it was three boards, but I stand... Yeah, three boards. And um, each board has two levels of, of uh, delivery system. And in these boards, that's where you could also claim victory points or you could also claim money because money is super tight. Now, the, the ships uh, ship off um, on the interval... Of, if you recall correctly, on the right-hand side is where you supply the the employees or the hirees um, for your for your ranch, and uh, um, as this 
uh, the, the meter progresses downwards, it triggers uh, on the on the right hand side, you know the same kind of system where you would restock the cattle market. It triggers these boats leaving port, and uh, once the boat leaves port, it's replaced by a new one. And by the end of the game, there's no more boats leaving port, but there are uh, boats that grant you um, victory points at the end of the game because. Uh, boy, oh boy, can you, it's a good Euro because you can stack up some serious amount of, you know, points. It's like finding a 20 in your coat pocket. Hey, cool. There's more, there's more money there. There's more points there. There's a little bit more points over here. Um, it's one of those games though, that you can't, I don't, I'm not going to say can't. It's difficult to balance a great game at, at doing everything, um, and uh, if you can do that, then your brain's firing off on a, you know, that whole beautiful mind thing. Um, but uh, I, I, I enjoy this game so much. It's such a fun game. This adds uh, just a kind of a little bit of a, a, of a modification. There's not a great, there's not a huge change, but there's enough change that uh, the familiarity um, kind of allows you to, to play with the new buttons and levers. I guess. And that's what my brain really likes. So I will definitely be returning to this. I can't wait to play the others in the series. I understand that there's a solid solo game in the, the reissue of the base game. So I can't wait to uh, grab hold of that and see how humiliating it can be for me as another solo experience. But again, tough solo games are what bring, you know, brings you back. But I'm not talking about solo games. I'm talking about Great Western Trail Argentina. And uh, Alexander Pfister, well done. Um, and um, I, uh, I can't wait to, uh, I, I picked up uh, uh, the um, Sky Mines, Sky Miners, uh, and uh, it's the update to Mombasa. So I can't wait to tuck into that one. Hopefully next week I'll talk about that. But that's pretty much all we got for this episode. It's a nice, short, tight one, but it's a very significant one because... Uh, every time I put this, ep uh, this episode together, I, uh, start <laughs> listening to the other content creators and, and, and my collection just keeps growing because of it. And that's not complaining. That's saying, thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much to the other content creators who contribute. Um, and, uh, you know, I always have to say, keep stick on the ice and take care out there, eh?